And like John Yvette was singing, that we can be the light of the world and we can be the salt of the earth. And that's our responsibility as we go through this world. But so many times in life there are, de there are detours out there. Things that get us sidetracked, they get us off the course. Especially in our spiritual lives. And when we're real honest with the Lord and with ourselves, we will realize that there are times then spiritually we're not as on fire as we should be. Not as we used to be. And we need the Lord to revive us. We need Him to do a work inside of us so that we can go out and be more effective for Him. He is the center of our lives. The title of our message today is Seeking the Lord and His Ways. Seeking the Lord and His Ways. You know, when you think about that little word, seek, it's a beautiful word. It's so short, we all know what it means, but when you really think about it, the word seek means to desire something. It means to pursue it. It means to follow after it. It means to make it a priority. So in that context, seeking the Lord means He wants to be the priority of our lives. He wants us to be that which we pursue after and desire on a daily basis. Sometimes it's easy in the Christian life to just go through the motions. Get up in the morning, have our devotion, go through our time of prayer, go to work, go through life, come to church, pray, do the things that we do. Going through the motions. Does that remind you not of the Old Testament when they went through the motions? They kept the sacrificial system going. They did all these things. They were going through the motions, and yet the Lord said, You have forsaken me. You have left me. You do all this outward religious acts and symbols and all that, but your hearts are far from me. God is concerned about what's in us. He wants to do his work through us, but to do that, we have to be close to him. We have to seek him. Turn over with me, if you would, to John chapter 1 and verse 35. Gospel of John chapter 1 and verses 35 to 42 we'll read as our opening text this morning. John chapter 1, verse 35. And in this passage, there is a key question that Jesus asked and that he wants to ask us today as well. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 35. Again, the next day, Jesus, John rather stood with his two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And looking at Jesus... The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following him, said this, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour, or about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which translates a stone. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. The question that Jesus asked these early disciples was this, what do you seek? It's a tremendous question to ask ourselves today, what do you seek? What do I seek in life? 
Is it just about making money? Is it just about having a good job, a good career, having a good family, and, and being successful in life? Or is there more to it? Jesus said, what do you see? And the only way to have the truly abundant, blessed, glorified life is to have Jesus in our lives. To make him the focus and the focal point of our lives. Because money, possession, fame, success, satisfaction, love, these are things that the world is looking for today. But they're not finding it. And the reason they're not finding it is they're looking for it in the wrong places. They're looking for it in things. Things will never make you happy. They'll never make you satisfied. They will never bring you joy. But people will, and especially the only person that will really satisfy your heart is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one. And so today we're going to look at three things in this, this subject today. First of all, seek the Lord, number one, key thing. Number two, seek his kingdom and seek first his kingdom. And third, seek the things which are above. So let's look at the first thing this morning, seek the Lord. You know, when you come to the Lord, he offers the gift of salvation. He offers it free, but it cost him everything. It cost him his life on the cross. But he comes to us and says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Seek me. And yet people get just in this world going through all these things we have. I mean, look at the past week, all the things that happened. I was watching the television as I watched the Channel 2 news. I'm putting a plug in for KTVU, but I think they're very good in the morning news. And I'm looking at that, and I heard this out of my ears. I'm getting ready for work. Shooting, officer involved shooting in San Ramon. I said, oh, I, better, I better check this out closely here. Then I look where it was. It was right by where my mom and I go to lunch all the time. Next to Giuseppe's is the 7-Eleven store. A man went in there in his 20s, or about 20 years old, and he told the clerk to leave the store. So, of course, the clerk goes out of the store. He goes across the street to Safeway. He calls the police. The police come. They try to reason with him. His name was Joe. He said, Joe. Please, let us help you. We can get help for you, please. But he pointed the gun at the officers and they shot him. A 20-year-old man, here today, gone. Gone. And then we've seen all these things with the riots that are going on and all the disturbances and all these things. And you look around, it just gets discouraging. If we don't have Christ, this is the kind of thing that we're going to face every day. But when we have the Lord in our lives, he gives us that peace. He gives us that joy that we can overcome whatever circumstances God allows in our lives because he's with us. The scripture says in Isaiah chapter 55 and verses 6 and 7, here in the, in the book of Isaiah, the Lord, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I can assure you today, if you come to Jesus, if you seek him, and you come to him, he is going to forgive you of your sins. He's going to wipe the slate clean. He's going to receive you, and he's going to change your life and give you a great life. And not only that, but you're going to go to heaven, and you're going to be with him forever and ever. But we have to to see ourselves the way God sees us, that we're sinners. All of us are sinners. We all need his abundant pardon, his abundant forgiveness. We need it. 
and his arms are open wide to us. Think back in the days of the New Testament where, when Jesus was born, it says the wise men came, and there were probably three of them, and they came from a far country, and they came to worship the newborn king. And when they came, they opened their presents. They offered them to them. And someone once said, wise men still seek him. And that's true. Truly wise men and women will seek the Lord because there is no other way. I mean, you can look at all the different religions of the world. You can put them all out there on the table. And not one of them gives you the hope that if you come, that God will forgive you of your sins and by accepting him, you will go to heaven. It's all about works. It's all about doing enough good things to merit going to heaven. And the Bible says none of us can merit going to heaven. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't make it on our own. Only through Jesus' sacrifice can we be saved. It's a blessing to know that. But as I said, people die young today. You just see it every day. You can open the obituaries. You see it. We don't know how much time we have before either we die or hopefully, if we're saved, before the rapture comes. But when the rapture comes, if you don't know the Lord, that's it. There's no second chance. Or can I do a do-over, a takeover, go back in life, rewind the tape, let me get saved? No, there won't be any hope. Because now is the time. Now's the acceptable time. Now's the, the day of our salvation. We have to accept him today. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, the Lord says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Can you say that today, that you have searched for the Lord with all your heart? You've come to him and you've experienced the life that he has given. That's the blessing. But how many people have had chance after chance after chance to accept Christ? Oh, I'm young. I'm healthy. I'm going to have many years ahead of me. I'll seek the Lord later on. Later on, tomorrow, or maybe next day. It doesn't work that way, folks, because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't even know how many people will, while this message is being given, will die in this world without Christ. It's hundreds, it's thousands throughout the whole world. It's amazing. But today, we can seek him. Today, we can accept him. Today, he can change our lives, and we can go out this door with a new heart and a new life. And that's what he wants us to do. But we have to seek the Lord. You know, it's amazing. Without the Lord, you can survive in life, but you can't really live. You can't really live and be happy. Because the Lord alone, he comes in and changes us from the inside, and he gives us peace and hope so that we can face whatever it is. It's like the song that says, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Yes, what a blessing it is. We can't live without the Lord. And yet, so many times in life, the Lord knows if he doesn't allow certain circumstances to happen in our life, we're just going to kick back and we're going to say, I can make it on my own. Why do I need to seek the Lord? Everything's going great. I have everything I need. Everything is perfect. No, it doesn't work that way. So the Lord allows troubles and trials to come into our lives to get us to seek him, to get us to come to him. Okay, that's interesting sound, but we'll continue on. You know, it's easy when life is going good and you've got your own plans and everything seems to be falling into place just really well. 
the Lord, we don't seek the Lord, do we? We don't seek his help. We don't pray as much as we should. We don't seek his guidance. But when he allows some trials to come, some difficult things to come, then what's the first thing we do? We seek the Lord. But we should not wait until the catastrophes come. We should be seeking him on a daily basis and asking him to be involved in our lives, to be ruler and Lord of our lives. And then no matter what we go through, we will experience his blessing. I love the verse that David said in Psalm 63 and verse 1, where it says, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. If there was ever a time that we could say that our world is like that, it's a dry and thirsty world. Think about being out in this hot weather, like maybe it's over 100 degrees and you haven't had any water to drink, and you get thirsty. And then somebody gives you a nice cold drink of water and it just quenches your thirst. It's so good. But Jesus quenches the thirst spiritually. And when he quenches the thirst, you never get thirsty again spiritually. And that's the blessing of it. And we're living in a very dry and sinful world. And we need the presence of the Lord every day of our lives. That's why James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and provide your, purify your hearts, you double-minded. The Lord knows we need him, and yet he wants us to seek him. He wants us to ask. He wants us to pray. He wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to rely on him and not upon ourselves. That's what we need to do. But the question of the matter is, it's very easy for us to, to go to the Lord when we need him. Like a heavenly messenger. Oh, okay, I need this today, Lord. And I need that today. And I need the other thing today. And give me, give me, give me, give me. And there's nothing wrong with praying like that because we do need things. We are a needy people. But do we come to the Lord because we love him? Or do we just come to him because we need him? I think a lot, the latter is true in so many cases because you notice, when do people start to really pray? When the heat is turned up. When the difficulties really come. That's when we really seek the Lord. But he wants us to seek him now, today, no matter what we're going through in our lives. So we can ask ourselves, do I love the Lord for who he is? Do I want to spend time with him no matter if I have problems going on right now or not, of course, we always have problems. But praise God, he wants us to seek him and seek his face. There's a difference. If you seek the hand of the Lord, you're seeking what he can give to you. When you're seeking the face of the Lord, you're seeking him for who he is. And that is, that's what I want. That's what all of us should want. I love that verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. It's a convicting verse and it's so true. It's true for our nation, it's true for our church, and it's true for us as individuals. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. You notice in that verse the key word to the whole verse, if, if, the Lord is putting it out, the, the challenge to his people, if my people who are called by my name, what do you have to do? Humble yourself, seek my face, 
Turn from your wicked ways, and then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive your sin. So many times in life, we kind of sleepwalk. I think we sleepwalk through life sometimes, as Christians, not just as people in the world. We can sleepwalk through our Christian life, and we have to be woke up. I know that happens to me. We have to be woke up to really the reality of what's going on. The lost souls that are out there. The work that needs to be done for the Lord. He wants to wake us up. He wants us to be ready to serve him. And you know, when you think about this subject, you think about backsliding. Backsliding. That's one thing that is a bad word among Christians. Backsliding. And it is. It's terrible. And it's so subtle because you can just backslide ever so slightly and then pretty soon it's like being on this slippery slope you slip 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 and you don't realize how far you've fallen how far you've gone down it's like if you've ever had a tire that has a slow leak oh it seems to be okay and then all of a sudden you you come to it and it's flat complete what happened to my tire a slow leak those are dangerous and there's a danger in the Christian life of having a slow leak because if we start feeling comfortable in ourselves and we start getting busy in life and we're too busy to pray, too busy to have our devotion, too busy to spend time with the Lord, then pretty soon we're going to grow colder and colder and colder and we are going to be out of fellowship with the Lord and He cannot use us. And so the Lord has to wake us up. He has to prick us. He has to prod us to get back to where we should be. And that's the challenge of it. And Jesus said, come to me. Come back to me. And when we do that and surrender to him, it's a blessing. There was a man named Jerry White who put it this way. He says, no one is so empty as the man who has stopped walking with God and doesn't know it. Ooh, I was reading this yesterday and I said, whoa, Lord. Sometimes that's exactly what happens. We're slowly backsliding so much we don't realize how bad off we are. You know, if you get up in the morning and you want to see what you're really like, you look in the mirror and it tells you. I mean, you may not like it, but it tells you right there. The Bible is the mirror of God's Word. It's God's Word. And if we look into the Word and we're not measuring up to the life that He wants us to live, something is wrong. And we need to get on our knees and say, Lord, forgive me. Get me back to where I should be. And that's what He will do. He will do it very well. There's another man named Theodore Epp that said the same kind of thing. He said, backsliding starts in such a subtle way that most of us are not aware of it, and many of us may be backslidden and may not realize it. It's true. It's true. It's time to get up. It's time to seek the Lord and to seek Him right now. You know, if we would seek the Lord before the catastrophe happens, before the major life event comes, then we will be better prepared. But we're just going along until the big thing happens. You know, it's a perfect example is earthquakes. They're always telling us, be prepared for earthquakes. Get ready. Get your earthquake kit ready. Have the food ready. Have it all ready. But how many of us, if, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many are really prepared for the earthquake? The big one, you know, the one that they say is coming. We're not prepared, folks. We really aren't prepared. The same thing is true in the spiritual life. Oh, we can think, oh, yeah, I'm prepared. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. 
But the Lord will show us, are we really prepared? Are we really prepared? And what's the major thing that everyone is preparing for right now? It's not the big earthquake and not the big this or the big that or the big war with Iran or whatever it is. It's the rapture. The Lord is going to come. And the rapture is like that. We know his rapture is coming. His coming. He's coming soon. But we don't know exactly when. That's why we have to be prepared now. We have to seek the Lord now. That's why he said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Don't wait, because it could be too late. So that's our first point this morning, is seeking the Lord. That's the first priority, to say, the first person I want to meet with every morning is the Lord. That's, that's who we want to meet with. Now, we may have a spouse, we may have kids, we may have responsibilities, and that's true, but the most important person you can meet with before you do anything else is the Lord. If you go outside that door and you haven't met with Jesus first, you, your day is not going to go right. It's going to go out of control. It's going to go into a tailspin. We've all been there and done that. But when we spend time with him, he prepares us for the day and whatever may be ahead of us. Secondly, not only is it important to seek the Lord, but it's also important to seek the kingdom of God. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world, and there's the kingdom of God. Satan is the king of, the, of this world, and Jesus Christ is the king of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And he is our ruler. He is our king, and we are his subjects. And he wants us to live first and foremost for him. That's why one of my favorite all-time memory verses and favorite verses is Matthew 6.33. It's so simple. The formula is so, so wonderful. Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's just been talking about food. He's just been talking about clothing. He's been talking about all the things that the people of the world worry about and everything. And Jesus said, Don't worry about that. Seek me first. Seek my kingdom first. Seek my righteousness first, and then all these things shall be added unto you. You know, God is really good at mathematics. He really is. He will pro promises to multiply his blessings and to, to add to our lives. So he's, a, he's an adder and a multiplier. The devil is a subtractor and a divider. That's the difference. And so when, the Lord come, when we come to the Lord, he gives us that abundant life and he adds to our lives. He multiplies our lives. But when we do it our own way, there's going to be division, there's going to be subtraction. God wants us to trust in him. So the question I ask myself is this. Is my priority on the service of the Lord, on the kingdom of the Lord? And each one of us have to answer that question for ourselves. Because you only know what's in your heart. I only know what's in my heart. But the kingdom of God is the most important thing. You know, that's the thing about Adel and Sylvia since they came over from Lebanon. And of course, many long before that, their priority was on serving the Lord. And they never in their wildest dreams thought that God would bring them to the USA to be missionaries. But that's what happened. He brought them here as missionaries. And of course, we all know Sylvia and Adel's story, how they went back to Lebanon, and they got caught up in the war. They were trapped there, and yet God in his mercy brought them here because this is where he wanted them to be. And so they trusted in, in him and his will, and the Lord brought about a great blessing 
for, for them and for us. But the kingdom of God must be our priority. Because there's a lot of other things that demand our time today, that demand our attention, that demand our, our involvement. And yet, is the priority, is my priority serving the Lord? It has to be for all of us, our priority. That's why Paul says, for the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What a blessing it is. I read a kind of a humorous story, but I mean, it's true. A quote, I should say, by Vance Havner. He was a great preacher. And he said this. We leave comfortable homes to ride in comfortable cars, to sit in comfortable churches, to hear comfortable sermons. What do we know of the reproach of Christ, he said. I mean, it's so true. Not that we want to sit in uncomfortable chairs because these are comfortable seats. The Lord has given us a great church. It's comfortable. It's beautiful. It's our new building. But the key to it is, is to not get comfortable in ourselves, but to be involved in his service, to sacrifice everything to be a blessing for the Lord. There was a man named Blaise Pascal that once said, Great geniuses have their kingdom, their splendor, their triumphs, and seek not carnal greatness because it has no relation to the greatness which they pursue. It is discerned by the mind, not the eyes, but that is sufficient for them. The saints likewise have their empire, their luster, their greatness, and their triumphs, and want not earthly dignities, nor intellectual honors, which are out of their sphere, and which neither increase nor diminish the greatness to which they aspire. The key is, are we willing to sacrifice everything to give our lives to the Lord? I was, Sylvia was sharing with me the other day about um, the missionary who went to, to Africa, Livingston. And he went out from England, and then he got involved over there in Africa, and he got sick, and he got discouraged, and he... I mean, he was really down. And then they sent people over from England that finally reached him and they brought provision to him and he got encouraged and he went on to have a tremendous, fantastic ministry for the Lord. But all of us can get discouraged. All of us can get down. Charles Stanley gave a great message on that today. He was talking about discouragement on the, on the broadcast that I heard this morning. If we seek the Lord and seek his will for us, we, we don't have to be discouraged. The Lord can lift us up out of the discouragement into encouragement and help us to trust Him. And it's not the length of our service in the kingdom of God that counts. It's the breadth of our service. It's not the quantity. It's the quality that God wants to use us in our lives. It's putting God's interests first above ours. His kingdom first. There was a man named Fred Craddock, and he addressed ministers during a conference one day, and he, he really got the, the message over to them well when he said, to give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour out myself for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it, I'm ready, Lord, to go in a, out in a blaze of glory. But then he said this, he said this, he said, We think of giving our all to the Lord like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table and saying, Lord, I give you this, I give you my all, here's my life, Lord, take it all. 
But the reality is, and I love this, I was really touched by this. The reality of this is the Lord says, okay, let's use Dave as an example. Here's your $1,000. You got it right? You got it in your hand. I want you to take that $1,000 to the bank and turn it into quarters. Now, how many quarters, this is a good math question, but <laughs> how many quarters would you get for $1,000? Well, you'd get 4,000 quarters, okay? So you got your 4,000 quarters. And he said, I mean, it was beautiful how he put it. He said, we go through life putting 25 cents here and 50 cents there. You listen to somebody, you help somebody, you go and do an errand for somebody, you, you sacrifice, you work on the yard work for the church or whatever you do. It's like 25 cents here, 25 cents there. That's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us just to say, okay, Lord, I give you my whole life. No, he says, yes, you do that once when you get saved, but he wants us on a daily basis to say, Lord, use me. Take my little effort here, 25 cents, 50 cents. Let me help somebody today. Let me encourage somebody today. Let me be a blessing to someone today. And he goes on to say, usually our life in Christ isn't glorious. It's done in those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over time. And isn't that true? God is concerned what we do for him on a daily basis, how we can be a blessing, how we can seek him and seek his kingdom and seek how we can be a blessing to others. And then finally, not only is it important to seek the Lord and not only is it important to seek his kingdom, but we also need to seek the things which are above. If you turn over to or look at the verse for Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2, this is a tremendous verses here about how the priority of our lives should be on what's above, not on the things of this world. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul wrote to them, he said, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, and set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this world. This is the most key practical verse we can go through in life, because if we set our mind on the things that are earthly, we're going to be carnal and we're going to be off the track. But when we set our mind on the Lord and we set it on heaven and we set it on the things above, we will be victorious, we will be encouraged, and we will rise above all the things that we go through in this world. Ask yourselves today, what are my priorities? What are my values? What really is important to me in life? Is it the things of God in heaven or the things on earth? All of us are going to go to heaven if we're saved. We're going to leave it. We're going to leave it, but we're going to leave it behind. And even those who aren't saved, you're going to leave it all behind. Your home, your job, your cars, everything you have, you're going to leave it behind. So why should that be the priority of our lives? You know, the devil's got it, us all mixed up on what's really important. Put your attention on this. Work this number of hours. Do all of these things. Do all these things. Don't go to church. You don't have time to go to church. You don't have time to read the Bible. You don't have time to do that. That's the lie of the devil. Because they're putting the things of earth above the things of God. And that's what we have to be on guard against every day. Our investment in eternity is more important than our investment in our portfolios here on earth. 
I mean, if you've watched the stock market this week, it, it's starting to pick up now, but the week before was really, really bad. And if you looked at your investments, IRAs, 401ks, you're seeing it go down, down, down. Don't go down. Don't go down again today. You know, and you can get taken up. People get taken up with these things. It's a good day when the market's up, but it's a bad day when the market's down. But you know what? When you have Jesus in your life and you're putting your priority on the right things, it doesn't matter. Mark it up or mark it down because we have stability. We have peace. We have hope in Christ that, yeah, all these things can crumble around us. We can lose it all, but with the Lord, we have it all. What's really important. There was a man named William Ainge who said, if we spend 16 hours a day dealing with tangible things and five minutes a day dealing with God, is it any wonder that the tangible things are 200 times more important than God? Now, that should really speak to us. I'm going to read that again. If we spend 16 hours a day dealing with the tangible things, the, the earthly things, the things that we worry about, and only five minutes a day dealing with God, is it any wonder that the tangible things are 200 times more real to us or more important to us than God? Wow. That's convicting. That is really convicting. Because the earthly things, you can see them, you can taste them, you can handle them, doesn't make them more important. In fact, the things that can't be seen, the spiritual things, are more important. And that is what the Lord teaches us. But people are blind to it. They're blind to it. And the Lord wants us to remember what really is important in life is seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. And He said, all these things will be added unto you. When the Lord Jesus spoke to his disciples in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, he told them the priorities in life that you need to have. And this is not a priority that the world really believes in today at all. But in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you catch that? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, the more riches people have, the more possessions they have, the more things of this world that they have, their treasure, that's their treasure, their heart's on it. They put their heart on it. But if your treasure is in heaven and you put your heart there, you're going to be happy because you're going to say, this isn't where I'm going to spend the rest of my life here on earth. I'm going to be with the Lord. I'm going to lay up for myself treasure in heaven. And you know, it's like having a heavenly bank account. And everything you do for the Lord and everything you give to the Lord, whether it's money in the offering or you give your life or you serve Him, it's laying up treasure in heaven. It's investing in heaven. And it's like the bank of heaven is open 24-7. It's never closed. And every offering, everything we give, not only monetarily, but give of our strength, give of our talents, of our efforts, it's going to be counted for us in our heavenly bank account. Is your bank account full in heaven or is it empty? Is it full on earth but empty in heaven? Or is it pretty good on earth but abundant in heaven? That's what we want to have because that's what's really important in life. 
We've all heard of Patrick Henry, and he's the one in the American Revolution when the British were coming. The British are coming, the British are coming, Patrick Henry. He was a patriot, he was a godly man. He was a Christian man. Don't let anybody tell you that this country was not established on Christian principles and the Word of God, because it was. But I thought it was fantastic insight that he had his priorities in life, because one day he said, I have now disposed of all my property to my family. There is one more thing I wish I could give them, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. If they had that, and I had not given them a single shilling, then they would be rich. And if they had not that, and I had given them all the world, they would be poor indeed. What a man of insight. And this is back in the days of the American Revolution. He says, I want... That, sure, I'll give him my property. I'll leave him my property to my family. But I want to give him something else. I want to give him Jesus Christ. But he couldn't give it to them. They had to receive him. Each person has to make that personal choice to seek the Lord, to seek his kingdom, to seek the things above. We have to make the choice. I read an amazing story about how they discovered the tomb of Charlemagne. He was a great conqueror and world leader. And about 200 years ago, they opened his tomb. And the workers had been excavating the tomb. And they looked in, and they were shocked. They saw in that tomb a body in a sitting position, clothed in the most elaborate kingly garments, with the scepter in his bony hand. So there it is. He's, he had the scepter in his bony hand. And on his knee, there lay a New Testament. And his finger was pointing to the verse... Mark 8.36, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? This, was, this actually happened. Can you imagine? People think they can take things with them, so they, they put all kinds of things in the tomb there with them, and then they, it, it doesn't happen. You cannot take it with you. That's why we have to have the right priorities to serve the Lord, because all these things of the world can either be lost, stolen, destroyed, decomposed, decayed, they're all going to be gone. But when we invest in heaven, when we invest in the souls of men, when we invest in the word of God, it will never, ever go wrong for us. I read kind of a humorous story, but it's really true, and I point the finger back at myself on this story, but listen to this. There was a child who was raising a terrible fuss. He was crying because he had shoved his hand into the opening of a Chinese vase, very expensive, or like Lorraine says, a vase, a Chinese vase, okay? So he got his hand stuck in the vase, and he couldn't get it out, and he pulled, and he pulled, and he couldn't get it out. And then his family came, and they pulled on his hand, and they tried to get it out, and the neighbors came, and they tried to get it out because they, this was a beautiful vase, or vase, however you want to call it. So finally they said, we're not going to get this kid's hand out. We're going to have to break it. So they broke open this beautiful, ornate, expensive vase, or vase, however you want to call it. And there it was, all in pieces there in front of the, of the people. And then, once they did that, they realized what the problem was. The little boy had saw a penny at the bottom of that vase... And so he had put his hand into the vase to get the penny out, and it got stuck. And the reason it got stuck is because he was clenching for that one penny. He was clenching for it. If he would have just let go, his hand would have come right out. But because he was clenching for it, it got stuck. 
And I think many of us do the same thing in life. We're clenching for the wrong things. We're reaching out for the wrong things. We're seeking for the wrong things, things that are not going to make us happy, things that are not going to satisfy us or give us joy. And we are not willing to let go of that because that's what it takes. We have to let go and let God and let Him take control of our lives and He will do a great blessing. But before we blame this little kid, I have to see, I do the same kind of things. We have to be careful. We have to be very, very careful. Worldly pleasures, worldly pastimes, worldly things are not going to bring happiness to us. They're just not. It's not possible. So let's remember today the three things that the Lord wants us to seek. He wants us to seek Him. He wants us to seek His face, His presence with us. He wants to go with us in everything we do in life. He doesn't want us to go running out the door in the morning and say, well, Lord, see you later tonight. No. He wants to come with us wherever we go. He wants to be involved in our lives. He wants to take care of our problems. He wants to be with us when we have joy and go through beautiful time. He wants to share our lives with us. And then we have to remember to seek first his kingdom. Not the kingdom of this world, not the things of this world. They're not going to satisfy us. We need to seek the things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. And then I come back to the question that I ask at the beginning of the message, and the question is this, what do you seek? What do you seek? What do I seek in life? Is it to get to the top? Is it to achieve that, that job to become executive vice president or CEO or whatever it is? No, it doesn't make people happy. You read stories all the time of the celebrities, and here they are, they're making all this money, and they have miserable lives because they don't have the Lord. But if they accept Christ, then the Lord turns their life around and gives them a brand new life. He'll do it for all of us. And the Lord wants to be first place. He wants the first place in our lives. He wants us to seek Him. And when we do that, the Lord will bless us tremendously. Shall we just look in a, to the Lord in a word of prayer? If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, and you've been seeking after the things of this world, it's like grasping for wind. Today you can accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. And you can say, Lord, I'm done with seeking this world. I'm done with seeking after things that don't satisfy, that don't make me happy and fulfilled. And you can accept Jesus Christ today into your life. I can't do it for you. No one can do it for you. Mothers can't do it for kids. Fathers can't do it for their sons. Friends can't do it for friends. You have to choose right now to accept Jesus Christ and to seek Him in your life and to make Him your Lord and Savior, and you can do it. And if you want to accept Him today, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand and say, today I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Every head's bowed and every eye is closed. Nobody will see. We'll pray for you. You can just raise up your hand and say, Lord, I want to be saved today. I want to seek you today. Nothing else is working in my life. I try everything to make myself happy. It doesn't work. Jesus will make your life work. He'll give you a new life. And then if you're here today and you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you've been seeking after anything but Him, you've been drifting, you've been backsliding, you've been going through life and trying to be comfortable, Today's the day to say, Lord, I want to get serious. I want to get back to where I was before. I want to get back on the right track spiritually. I want to seek you, Lord. I want to seek your kingdom. I want to seek 
the things above. I want to make my priority on you, Lord. And if that's your commitment, you can ask the Lord to help you to do it. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you today that we have had the opportunity to be challenged by your word. And we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. And we pray, Lord, that you will cut us, that you will show us the way we really are so that we can become more like you, Lord Jesus. Please take our, our feeble efforts, our feeble words, and just we dedicate ourselves to you today. We rededicate ourselves. And if anyone here is not saved, I pray that they would accept you, Lord Jesus, as their Savior today, and then that they can have this abundant life. And we just thank you and praise you in your precious name. Amen. Amen.